Slob Talk Radio. show so if potentially bad language bodily function dirty talk of any kind might upset you this may not be the show for you but you know i think it is desperate health which is brought to you by the one the only the incredibly wicked one herself the amazing dorothy morrison please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs with me for the hour is the author of Aside from many other books, Court Magic, Tapping into the Power of String, Yarn, Twists, and Knots, the amazing Brandy Williams. Hey, Brandy. Hey, Rena. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I've been looking forward to it for quite some time. Thank you so much for agreeing. So I know from listening to other interviews that you've done, a lot of folks tell you, that the first spell they ever cast was the witch's ladder. And as I, was, as I was mentioning earlier, in a book that I picked up in 1970, I think I got the book in 1971, but this book is called The Complete Book of Magic and Witchcraft by Catherine Paulson. A witch's ladder can also be used for fairly severe purposes, um, which is what I did with it uh, because I had told you that the very first spell I ever cast in my entire life was a witch's ladder. Um, My witch's ladder had intent to harm. I want folks to understand that that is a very serious thing. I was very young. Fortunately, it did not go exactly as planned, although it did have lasting effects. But before we go into that, I want to know more about you. Thank you so much for coming. How did you get into magic? I know you're a priestess, aside from being an author and creator. Uh, So tell me something about yourself. And was court magic the first thing you ever cast? No, although it was early. I I got into magic when I was a teen. And um, you, you may appreciate this because it was in the 70s as well. So really, we didn't have the Internet then. We had bookstores and then um, walking around at Halloween and wearing our pentacles out saying, blessed be and hoping to meet somebody, right? So it, <laughs> I, right. I, I did right. some solitary practice until, um, until I met other witches at 21. Um, and I, I, uh-huh. I, I think that you might have stories like that too. <laughs> sure do, sure do. I was lucky enough to meet a group of folks from out of town. Uh, I was a member of the SCA which I'm sure you're familiar with, the Society for Creative Anachronisms, where we all dress up in medieval garb and and do all the things. And I was lucky enough to meet my mentor when I was a fairly young teen. And my mentor did not take me seriously at first, and I had to prove myself. And it took 12 years for me to be initiated. So, yeah. Um, But I was lucky. Yeah, I I mean, I I was lucky in the sense that I got to live with my mentor. It's a story I've repeated 9,000 times. And it's unfortunate that folks don't get to do that these days. But, yeah, I mean, I I did very traditional, British traditional, very old-fashioned, as I've been told, um, (laughs) we're gardeners (laughs) in my group, not necessarily gardenarians. We don't hold the strict tenants, as it were, were kind of, we were always a kind of relaxed group in, in that regard and very accepting of others and, and pretty open, um, which a lot of people have problems with that. A lot of people have, I mean, I get so much shit just for saying I'm Wiccan. Um, <laughs> forget about mm-hmm. being Gardnerian. Being Wiccan alone is enough. You know, these days it's kind of yeah. hard. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm Georgian, actually. Um, and Georgians were a little stricter when, when I came in. We did the, the male-female, man initiates um, woman, woman initiates man. And it's gotten a l- little bit yeah. more relaxed since then, which I'm really, really happy to see. We've become more diverse. But I do relate to the idea of British traditional and, and being a witch. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, I, I kind of, we could, we could get on a sidetrack, but we used to do apprenticeships. Um, I still do apprenticeships when I teach one-on-one, and I think it's a really good way to learn because you get to dive deeply into something with somebody who's been doing it for a while. It's, it's a very helpful way to, to kind of um, uh, move quickly along the path. And it's brilliant when it can be done, but I, I find that these days with all the time constraints and all of the information that's out, just out there, I mean, stuff that we always hoped would be available, never imagining that there would be so many. I mean, from what you're saying, I'm assuming you are at least close to my age, if not uh, <laughs> a bit younger. But, you know, I, I did not have access to anything but bookstores and libraries, and it was hard finding it in libraries, and I'm from New York City. Um, so it took time, you know. I mean, I found yeah. my this book that I had mentioned to you, um, it, it was a one-off print that was in a department store, and I just happened to find it, uh, lucky for me. Um, but, yeah, you know, we always said in my day, we wished we could be open about what we believed. We wished we could get more information. There were a handful of writers. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm just so thrilled that now information is plentiful and there are lots and lots of writers with lots and lots of choices and lots of things going on, which I think is good for community to have options and different ways of thinking of things. And I just find that sometimes, you know, in my generation, there are people who are like grumbly about it, like, oh, these kids today. And I'm like, no, these kids today are fine. I know. I really love it. I mean, we, I've worked for, for decades with uh, Covenant of the Goddess. We've worked to, to um, make it possible for people to walk around and say, I am a witch, to be open about it. We wanted kids who were growing up in the religion, and now I see that second and third generation witches, and it makes me so happy. Yeah. And witch talk where, you know, right. where, where they, uh, they, uh, people who are younger than me <laughs> you know, trade information, and I think it's fantastic. I'm so happy to see it. I think so. I, I totally agree. I mean, we were so afraid of being found out back in the day, and it was a problem, yes. and you couldn't talk about it, and you couldn't, you know, you were lucky if you could find a teacher. And I was lucky because I lived in a place where, you know, you could find people who were a little more open-minded, even though you still had to be concerned about who knew about you because, you know, your yes. family could be harassed, all kinds of things. And um, so I'm, you know, because I'm hearing, oh, well, they're, you know, it's not the way we did it, and they're doing different things. And I'm like, you know what? Everybody does things differently. Any group from one group to the next will do it differently, whatever it happens to be. And there is no right or wrong way. The things that work out the things that are important will last, and the experiments will die away, just like they did for all of us. Um, it's no different. Just because there's more information, yes. maybe you'll maybe they'll make better choices and they'll make them faster. But I went through some pretty stupid periods as a young witch. <laughs> for example, the, the spell yeah. we talked about, the one, the, my very first court spell, which was intended to harm, which caused harm, yeah. which I regret in some regards, you know. You have to be careful. So one of the things I wanted to bring up was the importance of taking court magic seriously. Yes, Please I mean, when you think that. about it, what is tighter than a knot? A knot is, is something that oh. can, um, you, you put a cord around somebody's neck and you tighten it and you can kill somebody. The cords have very serious potential, very significant potential. You, you uh, take a, a wish and put it into a knot. That's got a lot of power in it. And one of the things I do mm-hmm. in the book actually is to talk about how to tie knots, how to tie knots so that you can untie them if you want to untie them. I think something that's very important to know when you engage in any magic is how you're going to undo that magic. 
And cords give mm-hmm. you the option. You you can tie a knot. You can make a cord. You can tie a knot. And you can open the knot and you can cut it so you can undo it. And I think that's an important safety to build into all your all your magics. And I find that, and I'm so glad you brought that up, because I find, and I've I've discussed this before, I find that people cast, and if the situation changes, or their mood changes, or something else changes, they forget that that magic that they performed is still out there in the ethers. That magic still exists. And if you don't undo it, not only does magic go bad at certain points, but it, it can stay alive and come back to haunt you at a point where yes. you don't want that magic anymore. It is very important to dissipate or undo a spell that is no longer serving. Please tell people. Please, please say That's that That's a really good point, me. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about magical cleaning, actually, that I, I clean my house, I sweep my house, you know, I I, uh, I wash down the surfaces. With magic, it's the same thing. I do a magic, I put up a circle, I take the circle down. I make sure to ground the energy that I'm working with. And I keep track of what those energies are. I've sent energy out into the world. What's it doing? Let's bring it back. Um, with me, with cords, sometimes I pick up a cord and I go, what did I make this for? <laughs> like, you know, I, I try oh, yeah. hard to like now make notes, you know, put it in a bag and mark the baggie with what it is, right? But if I find a cord that I don't know what it is, I, I ground it. I, I take the magic out of it and put it down because I'm no longer keeping track of it. And I think that's the responsible thing to do as a magic wor- worker. I agree because I will tell you honestly – I have found people in my freezer, and I'm like, I don't remember why I even put your ass in here in the first place. I mean, <laughs> sometimes you just have to clean house and start yes. over. It's not, you know, sometimes the magic that you have put out has run its course, and you you just want to start with a clean slate. It's kind of like setting a table, having dinner, leaving the plates, getting up the next morning, making breakfast, putting down the plates, everything can get cluttered. And I think it's important to tidy up your magical stuff, your magical spaces, your magical castings, however they may be. It is, uh, it is something that you probably want to do a little more often than you're doing right now. Cause I know I got hit between the eyes Again, when I open the freezer, because, you know, all my stuff for Thanksgiving is in the freezer. And I got to get <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm in the freezer this morning looking around at all the stuff that I'm pulling out tomorrow for Turkey Day, even though we're not having turkey. Uh, and I'm like, oh, here's a spell I cast. Oh, shit. Here's where I cast the damn thing twice. Hmm. Maybe uh-huh. I better undo <laughs> one of these and clean. I must have been really pissed when I did this twice. Um, cause I, and I know and it was that's done, great it, too. done it two, two separate times, that, that, mind you. That's great too that you do that you use the freezer the, around the around the election. There was a lot of freezer magic going around. I think it's a really interesting um, w- way to to work magic. Oh yeah. Well, freezer magic, toilet magic, you know, toilet paper magic, marshmallow magic. (laughs) Marshmallow magic is awesome. Are you familiar with the marshmallow spell? This is one of Byron Ballard's. I love this spell. Oh, Byron. I love love Byron's work. Um, I'm sure you've had her on. um, And I I got to publish her once. I published her her paper in Women's Voices in Magic. So that's how I got to meet her. Yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah, she was just on last week. Um, Byron yep. awesome. Oh, cool. Byron has this marshmallow spell that I will just pass along quickly for those who didn't hear the episode. So what I do is I buy a bag of the big marshmallows because you're supposed to write your intention on the marshmallow, and it's, it's kind of a hex. And um, what you do basically is write what you're going to write on the marshmallow, and then you leave the marshmallow outside for the vermin and the weather and this and that and the other thing. And I said to Byron, well, what I do is I get the big marshmallows and I let them sit a long time. Like I've got a bag of year-old supersized marshmallows in the cabinet 
for spell work because my husband wanted to throw them away. He's like, how old are these? And I'm like, don't <laughs> touch them. Um, and he's like, well, what are you doing with these? And I'm like, those are spell casting marshmallows. And he's like, well, I'm glad I didn't eat one. I'm like, your tooth would barely go through these because they're that old. <laughs> but I want them that old because they're easier to write on. But in addition to the fact that they're easier to write on, when you leave them out for the elements to get at whatever it is you are trying to take care of, it is a slower process. It takes mm. time. It's not mm-hmm. over in one day. Just saying. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the marshmallow thing. <laughs> and then, you oh, know, of wonderful. course, there's the toilet paper. Oh, yeah, and then there's the toilet paper spell where, you know, you basically take whoever it is that's getting on your nerves and you wipe your butt with them, flush them on down. See, these 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 fun things that you can incorporate magic into. But even though we're sitting here and laughing, magic is serious. Even if we can laugh yeah. about what the spell consists of. You can actually do real damage with very simple materials. And I, I was so excited when Brandy was coming on because, you know, we talk about magic. We talk about doing things from a desirable standpoint. But there are things that work against us. There are people who are against us. And these things, these energies are easy to manipulate. Um, with the right yes. intention and the right phase of the moon and, and all the other things we employ in our magic. You've got to be careful. You've got to take things into consideration. There is blowback, you know. Is the blowback deserved? Is the person going to the, that is going to receive whatever it is you're putting out there is it deserved? Are you going to have to suffer some kind of consequence? I mean, these are all things to consider. Now, I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to the law of three, as it were, um, but I think if you put shitty stuff out, you're probably going to get hit with some flying shit on your way back. It just, you know, yeah. it, that's just gravity in nature, you know. But yeah. that's as a matter of I policy, I don't understand. No, yeah. Ahead, oh, I please. think it's true. And I, I was going to say, as a matter of policy, I don't tell people how to affect other people in any way. So one of the um, one of the things people do with love magic is to uh, point it at a specific person. And cursing is the same way. Mm-hmm. If you if you um, are feeling anger towards someone, throwing the anger out at them magically. What I teach is is how to affect yourself. So how to attract uh, attention, how to attract a lover to yourself if that's what you want, or to cut off a lover. Right. Um, but the magic is always centered on you rather than on someone else. And that helps to keep it safe and grounded. That is not to say, between you and me and all of your listeners, that as a witch, I don't know mm-hmm. how to do those things because you have to. <laughs> because it's like mm-hmm. part of what we do. It's part of our heritage. And sometimes right. you do need to take action to protect yourself and protect your friends. I don't publish that mm-hmm. stuff. Because so many, you know, because you need you need um, to be working with other people, working with you know, talking to your your friends, your coven about what you're doing, you know, having other eyes on this this magic to make sure that you're you know oh, yeah. that you're doing something that uh, um, is is within bounds. But yeah, you have to you have to know how to do this stuff. And all of the all of the magic that we work with can can be used in both healing and and harming ways, Absolutely. including <laughs> Yep. Absolutely. Oh, no, I totally agree. I just, you know, I just think people look at cord magic sometimes as something very light. And, you know, oh, this will be a charming thing to do. But magic is serious no matter what you're using to perform it with. Whatever whatever you're you're doing is is to be taken with a lot of serious intention and thought and care like you would with any kind of spell. And, and as I was saying to Brandy earlier, just because you're not necessarily standing in front of your altar and lighting candles and you know firing up the incense and waving your your magical tool around, um, this isn't any less serious. So I just, it was just so important to me that we, in no uncertain terms, that while this may seem to be an easy 
process in some regards. It's still just as dangerous as any other magic we perform. Something that people don't think about magic, cord magic too, is that it is so flexible. You can use cord magic to do anything that you would do with any other kind of magic. It's um, uh-huh. it's very very easy and very very flexible to do it. So you can you can do it for healing people, for prosperity, for protection, for attracting friends. Um, cords can do all of those things for you. Um, and you were you were talking about the witch's ladder too. I think the the workers who found the first witch's ladder were startled by it and frightened of it. So that's something to to keep in mind that this this is something that um, that people react to. Um, the first witch's ladder was kind of uncanny. It had a had an energy to it, right? So they uh, there were workers in, mm-hmm. in England who found this in an attic, and they found a a string with a lot of feathers stuck in it. Um, and what they said was, you know, they they found um, a chair and brooms. And they said the the chairs were for the witches to sit in, the brooms were for the witches to ride on, and then the ladder, the string figure was a ladder to help them cross the roof. So really the, the original right. witch's ladder wasn't thought of as something to cast spells, but we've we've used it, we've adapted the idea of witch's ladder to as as a thing to help you cast intention. And then most of the most of the witch's ladder discussions that I, I read are about knots. They they repeat the nine knot spell, which is a great spell. But the nine knot spell isn't quite the same thing because what a witch's ladder is is um, feathers put in string. So when you put feathers in string and then use it, it, it ties into this this energy, this very ancient energy that has a has a force, it has an effect. I encourage you if you haven't done that, I encourage you to do it. Did you have you have you done a um, witch's ladder with feathers or have you always used knots? I only did, well, see, here's the thing, and I wanted to read this to you briefly. Um, again, this is from the Complete Book of Magic and Witchcraft by Catherine Paulson. This is 1970. Now, I want you to remember that I came from a very abusive household, and uh-huh. my father uh, was tormenting me. And this is how, this is, this is what it says for Witch's Ladder. One of the reasons I did this spell, because it was the easiest one to get a really drastic effect. I was so young and stupid. I do not recommend anyone do this as this is written. But here's what it says. Make and hide a string of nine knots. Unless the victim Mm -hmm. can find it and untie the knots, and that's all I'm going to read from it. Um, you can imagine. Yeah, so it is a nine right, spell. Was, yeah. Right. So that was the entire, that's all, you know, that was the entire intention was to cause harm to your intended victim. Now, with any amount of serious intention, and you have to remember, I was not even a teenager when I cast the spell. So there was a lot of raw energy and a lot of newbiness and a lot of the gods saying, mm, maybe not. So, yeah. you know, did it have an effect? Yes, it did. Was it the final effect? No. So, you know, you've got to be really careful because I do believe that there was blowback from that. Um, and it did cause some, some damage, and, you know, I'm not proud of it, but we all make mistakes when we're kids. Um but it's serious, you know, and and it, it was a simple, it was the most simple spell in the entire book. So you've got to be oh. careful with simple, and you've got to put more thought yeah. into stuff. So I just wanted you to hear what this specific book said, how they described a witch's ladder, and but what they were actually describing was a nine-knot spell, specifically yeah. for an intended purpose that was not good. I have not done cord magic since then. Oh, I hope that I encourage you to, to, um, to pick it up again because it is so much fun. I mean, um, fiber, just to start with, is just wonderful to work with. It's not expensive. It comes in so many different colors and textures. And then you can have just so much yes. fun with it, picking out colors and, and combining them um, it's a very creative way to to get into magic, and then I encourage you to look at the the nine knot or to to look at the witch's ladder um, 
and look at the the feathers too because the feathers add something to it and i think it's it's the feathers that make it really like a a, a very sort of witch's thing um it's it's a, it's a really fun thing to do i've done it with a, with my coven i've done it with a bunch of people and and it has has a resonance but but quite magic in general it's, it, it it can be serious and we've we've talked about that and how important it is to take it seriously but it can also be something that's yeah. creative and something that um, you can experiment with um and and uh, it can bring lightness my my favorite chord right now right now is the the chord I made that's a happiness chord. It's it's been a hard year. It's been a hard couple of years yeah. for everyone and for me personally. Sure. I've had some stuff to deal with, and the happiness chord makes me happy to look at. Now that's a that's a wonderful reason to to make a chord and to do magic. Um, so I I, I, I hope totally, that, uh, if nothing totally else, that I encourage you to pick up some fiber. <laughs> oh well, I actually have some fiber, and yes, you have encouraged me greatly to want to pick it up because I love what you do. I've seen yours with the feathers in it, and I thought, you know, when you went, you know, you go up the ladder and you go, and it flies away, and I loved your inflection, and I was like, I love that woman. So, yes, (laughs) I'm greatly encouraged to try it again. And I wanted to ask you about how you got into Cord magic. I, uh, it was my friend Rhea Loader who came from Australia when we were all much younger. She she uh, taught people how to make cords, how to do this twist, which is something that's so old. This is something that humans have been doing since we were human. We seem to have learned this from the Neanderthals. I'm not making this up. This is this is a scientific thing. It's it's been around for forever. You make um you make cord by by um taking two or three lengths of of um some kind of yarn or string, twisting them, and then folding it back on itself so it, it twists up. That's how rope is made in uh, parts of the world today, in fact. Um, and so she taught us how to do this, and it was immediately clear that this was something that we could do and spend a lot of a lot of time doing, right? Like it, it, it was something that we could do in, uh, quickly, but then we could make a lot of them. So um, she taught us, and then... Um, my friends and I would go to festivals and we would take bags of cheap yarn with us and teach people how to do it and then watch like dozens of people um, go across the, the festival making making cords. So that's that's how I got into it. Which is so neat. And I love in the book how you talk about um, how the, the, the thread that you're using or the string that you're using is actually compiled of other threads that are mm-hmm. that are made into cords. So it's like this continuous cording, which I find really cool. So I wanted to ask you, because I have some fiber right here. I have um, some nylon, I think it's nylon rat tail cord. And I was mm-hmm. wondering if that was something that was suitable for cording. Um, because it's very silky, is it too silky to twist and if have it you, stay? Um, if you take two or three of them and twist them together and then fold it in half, um, and uh-huh. it folds up, that's all that it needs to do. I'm not, I'm not, because I can't see the material. I'm not sure what it is. When you said nylon, I worry about it being a little too stiff to take the fold. Um, but if it's if it's uh, gotcha. supple, you should be able to work with it just fine. Okay, because I, I, I wanted to try, I wanted your opinion on that first. But I also have, um, I have like a hemp-style twine, and it's variegated. And I have it because I'm making witch spells. Um, mm. And I was like, oh, I'll bet you I could twist these together because one is very much like a, a yarn, but it's, it's, a, it's a hemp twine. And I mm. thought, Oh, great. I can probably, if I get one more color, I could twist these together because I love that you do the three. But you can do two if you don't have three, can't you? Or does it have to be a minimum of three? Three really works well. You can try two and see if it'll work. The the important thing is that you've got two to to twist um, in one direction and then to fold the whole thing in half so it twists back up. That's That's the key to it. And I, when I was doing the book, I went to the, the craft store and got every kind of fiber that I could lay my hands on to see which things worked and which didn't. And hemp did work. It's a little stiff. 
I, I prefer working yeah. with an embroidery flosser with um with yarn myself because it is a little stiff, but um, it will actually, when, once you've made that cord, it will stay. <laughs> it's going to be a solid cord. <laughs> so yeah, hemp will definitely work. What are your feelings about using variegated colors? You know, if that's what, um, if that's what you want to work with, that's just fine. I, as a knitter, I, I love working with variegated yarn. I just grab something and then you know, make it into a hat. So I, I picked the color, color range that has the meaning that I want it to have. I, I don't think I make anything mm-hmm. without meaning, uh, especially with fiber. So, you know, there's a there's like the warm colors that will be kind of in the fire um, category, and there are uh, greens and gradations of greens that would be in the earth category and that kind of thing. So that's kind of what I do with the variegated yarn. Um, but I spend a lot of time in the book talking about color. You can really nerd out on color. <laughs> so I, I spend a lot of time on it. Um, and, and you want... <laughs> You want to you want to pick the colors that you know mean what you want to have the the magic do. But as long as those colors work, it doesn't it doesn't matter what they are, whether they're um, separate or variegated. Let me ask you another question: Do you ever mix your media? Are you using? Does it all have to be of the same type of yarn? That's a really good question. You ask really, really good questions. Um, like you, you ask questions Thank like a, a person who's actually doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, you can, you can definitely mix. Um, just, just as with, uh, with yarn, if you're, you're knitting a sweater, you might take a, a bulky yarn and then put some mohair with it to, to give it a different texture. Yeah. You can totally do that with, with your cords. When I was, um, I, I made Alicia. Um, Gallo, uh, uh, the acquisitions editor at Llewellyn, I made her a yeah. purple hat because she's a Prince fan. And I used three different yarns in it. One was really furry and one was um, solid to give it kind of the base and one was a, um, a mohair. So, yeah, you can definitely mix um, in your cords. You can mix different different textures. You can make a soft, something soft and something hard. You can put something with the hemp if you wanted to make it a little bit softer and easier to work with. You can make your third thread something that's like a yarn or a, a embroidery floss. Oh, neat. Okay. So let me ask you this. Is millimeter important? Because I have, okay, so I have this hemp um, that is one millimeter, and I have this really nice yarn that's two millimeter. Is there a problem with getting them to get along? Um, is it is that a situation where you really should try to at least have a similar uh, width? You know, it, it, that that again, yeah, it, it doesn't really matter um, as long as you have a, a a length of some sort of um, of thread. That that's all that really matters. Uh-huh. So you can you can make something that's really thin, like embroidery floss, with a, a super bulky yarn, and as long as they twist together, that's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. So you can you can yeah. you can mix and match. Like, you can you can experiment. Yeah, because I have I want to try to incorporate. See, because I have been paying attention, and and when I tell you that you've encouraged me to try cord magic, I'm actually serious, um, because I do want to see, you know, because I have, for example, I have red, I have ivory, I have black um, of this mm-hmm. nylon thread, uh, or nylon, it's one millimeter uh, cording, um, I do have this beautiful two-millimeter green yarn, and I do have this variegated uh, one-millimeter, and then I have also of one-millimeter the ivory rat tail and the white rat tail, which I think if I twist them tightly enough and I can get them to fold in half, they may actually stay. But if that doesn't work because of the nature of the nylon, I'm thinking that if I incorporate the actual yarn, the two-millimeter two yarn, it kind of gives it something to grip onto, and that maybe mm. will be easier that way. So I'm assuming people, like, come to you and ask you about what kind of cords are good for what? Like, do you do you tend to make cords um, for other people? Is this something that you do um, on a regular basis, or is this something you actually prefer people, you know, learn to do for themselves? Obviously, the book is 
wonderful and gives, I mean, this book gives so much information about colors and um, materials that it's an invaluable resource because what you have in the book, I would use in other parts of my magic, like candle magic, mm-hmm. you know, and, and where it starts talking about colors and using this for this and that for that, you know what I mean? So your book is easy to incorporate in other types of magic aside from just what you're doing with, with courting, which I love. Oh, yeah. Thank you, and I, I'll, uh, that's that's two things, and I'll, I'll answer the first question and then come back to the um, the book itself. Yeah, people do come okay. uh, ask me, you know, to how to how to make chords, or uh, if I, I've got a group of people, um, I'm tending now because the book is out to to just take a bunch of yarn with me and go, hey, anybody here know how not know how to make chords? I can make one with you. And uh, but what I do is I, I ask them what they want to do, and then I sort of lead them in this process of deciding what they want to do, like what's the color. What does that color mean to them? You know, and and harmonizing mm-hmm. the materials they're using for their purpose. So I don't I don't tell them, oh, you're going to need red for that. I go, okay, well, what what is it that does mean passion to you? Oh, it's pink. Okay, let's use pink, right? Um, and that's something I'm proud yeah. of in the book too. That I, I give uh, meanings for for color and number and all the choices that you're going to make in in building your yeah. your um, cord. But then I also give a worksheet and say, okay, here's here's the colors. What does that mean to you? And so people can take it and, um, you know, pink may, may mean um, happiness to someone. It may mean um, uh, something aversive, like, you know, uh, pink, pink means illness, right? So whatever it means, mm-hmm. um, that's the thing that you capture, and then you can use that, that information to build your own spell. And then I love, I love that, too, that you brought that out, that the, the book is not just a collection of spells. Like, um, take um, red and blue and yellow and green and twist them together, and you've got a, an elemental chord. I don't give just instructions. Mm-hmm. I also say, all right, here's why you're doing that. You're, you're picking a color. Yep. There's a meaning to that color. And you can have a different meaning to the, the color than I do. So make that decision, and then you can, then you can build your magic. And I, I, um, I'm really proud of that. I want to encourage people to understand what they're doing and make their own choices. That's the most important thing to me as a, as a person who teaches this. And that's brilliant because for so many years in magic, I mean, when I was coming up, you know, we didn't necessarily know why we were doing certain things the way we were doing them. We were told this is how it's done and that's how you do it. And there was not a whole lot of questioning my mentor at the time of, but why are we doing this? Why is the sky blue? Do what I tell you to do. I'm teaching you the right way. You can you can riff on it later, but you've got to know the basics first. And I still didn't know why we did things for so long. And then, again, information had to be made available. You know, my mentor passed away. Mm-hmm. Most of the people in my group are no longer with us. They were older folks at the time. So... You know, it's so good and kind that you put all this information in your book, and it is so useful for more than just courting. You know, I I personally love that you've got, you know, you've got the directions in here, and you've got all kinds of spells, but you've also got health things, you know. You've got explanations of why, well, this color might be for this if you want it, or this color is traditionally for that, but you can do your own thing. I love that. It's like, here's the basics, now riff on it, which is great. And we were talking about what it was like to, to be young and to, to um, come into the craft and try to figure out what was going on. And I vividly remember mm-hmm. being a questioner and being a person who said, why are we doing it this way? You know, why, why, why uh-huh. can you only um, say that you were a witch if you've been initiated in a traditional circle? You know, and I, I pushed back against that. People who want to be witches, you know, who, who do the work sincerely are witches. I'm not going to tell them that they're not. And I, so I, I, exactly. I always wanted to, to bring that forward in, in, in what I do, no matter how old I get, to remember that we can change it so that it works for us. That's the most important. We have the power. I mean, the whole point about the, being a witch is that we have the power to, to make our lives better, to make the people um, that we love, to make their lives better, to make the world better, right? So the power is with us, not, not in how we were told to do something. It's, you know, if, if, you only, if you only have what somebody gave you, it's a box that you have to be in. 
So I want to I want to give us the so um, the way to make the box. <laughs> I think I think I've, I've killed that metaphor now. <laughs> no, you really didn't. I I I love that you said that because it's really true. You know, people people make an assumption about folks my age, and I want to dispel that as much as possible because. You know, everyone over the age of 60 is not crotchety and, 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 you know, get off my lawn, kid. There are those of us who are trying to continue to push forward and be helpful to those who are coming up now. I love the fact that there are more writers than I can count. You know, first of all, it helps perpetuate my show until the day I drop from this earth. So that's great. Um, But it means that more people are studying. It means more people are reaching for information. And, you know, sometimes, again, folks my age get a a stick up their butt. Oh, there's too many of this (laughs) and there's too much of that. And it's, you know, all this information. And I'm like, again, the things that are good and lasting will stay and the phony shit will blow away. Like any generation, you know, we we wanted the ability to have all this information be free-flowing. So why is everybody fucking grumbling now? This is what we wanted. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. I, I've been waiting all my life for some of these uh, some of these things to happen, right? I mean, the, uh, a lot yeah. of my work has to do with gender, with women in magic. And the, the way um, I'm, I'm, I'm currently editing my, my book, Woman Magician, it's now 10 years old, and it went out of print. So Llewellyn returned the copyright to me, and I'm going to reissue it myself. And just the way we've talked about right. gender, has changed so much in 10 years and something I've wanted since I was a little girl. So I am, I'm thrilled with the, the direction that we're, we're going in. Um, and I, I'm so happy to have other people to talk to about, about these things in a way that I've, I've thought yes. my whole life. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm, yes. Because of a lack of a traditional upbringing, um, you know, we feel different. We're not like other people for lots of different reasons. So, yeah, when I find somebody even near my age that I can have these conversations with and have them say back to me, yeah, why are they fucking complaining when we always wanted this to happen is like such a gift that there are, because we always want like-minded people with us. And we always are searching for, you know, the people that, kind of validate how we're feeling you know it kills me that that people are so anti other people i was you know i'm i'm from a place that tended to be more liberal i have experiences i had experiences in the the late 70s and early 80s that were only spoken about in hushed tones because people were afraid of of people who were quote unquote different. I was in a relationship with a trans person when I was mm-hmm. seventeen, and mm-hmm. back then it was a big deal. We didn't talk about it. We were afraid. We were constantly afraid. So yes. now that I have relatives who are trans, I'm so happy because. They're like, Auntie Rain, we're coming over. Auntie Rain, what do you think of this? Auntie Rain, I'm thinking about doing that with my hair. I mean, all of the beautiful things of just being who you genuinely are and watching folks be who they genuinely are because they don't have to be afraid is like the biggest opening of the world to me. And it's a beautiful thing, and I just wish – more folks were able to appreciate the uniqueness of other folks because everybody brings something so different to the table. And it's so important. I'm sorry. I'm just waxing poetic about how the world (laughs) can actually be a beautiful place. Um, But yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, I get the feeling that you're a lot like me, you know, there are, there's beauty in the world and, and it's there to be appreciated. Everything doesn't have to be negative. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and I love your book, and I love you, and I think you're awesome. And I want to know, oh, again, <laughs> what you're – so, you know, with the not much time remaining, because I've talked your ear off, because I'm good at that. Um, 
what else are you working on next? Yep. So I mentioned um, the the woman magician. I've been um, I've been yes. working on the book, and I also have a, a group, uh, the Isis Neptis Temple of Sisters of Sashat. So I, I founded co-founded a, um, a sororal tradition of Western. Western, the Western magical tradition. Um, I, I do lodge work, and it's lots of guys. <laughs> and there was a there was a woman in my life that I said, you know, I really need to look at this from a woman's perspective. How can I be a woman and be a magician? You can be, by the way, a witch and also be a magician. You don't have to give up being a witch to be a magician. I had a I had a um, man in the lodge system say, well, you're a magician. Are you still a witch? I'm like, how do you stop being a witch? I've been initiated. You can't take that away. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I'm still a witch, and I'm very proud of it, too. Um, Yeah, so I'm I'm working on on the book, but uh, the group has also continued to meet. And during the pandemic, um, we had to make some changes in the way we met. So we've been meeting in the park, in the state park, and we've been doing initiations rather than doing one at a time. We're doing group initiations. And I thought, oh, you know, I really need the next edition of the book really needs to have that in it. So you can do um, you can do a series of five initiations and you can get everyone through mm-hmm. those initiations basically in a summer. Um, so that's that's uh, that's what I'm currently working on. We're we're about to do the the last one for the year. We're we're going to have to meet inside because it's now cold and rainy here in the Pacific Northwest. Sure. Um, but we'll do the the sun initiation, then we'll do it again next year. So I'm working on that. And then I I was thinking about um, trying to do this on Zoom as well. My my cousin met in Zoom um, during some of the the lockdown, and we got pretty good at building astral temples and all meeting there. So so doing the work um, in a virtual space. And I, I would like to meet with more women who are interested in sisters. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to, to look at building a, a virtual form of those rituals, too. Very cool. That's, that's my Very, thing. very cool. <laughs> very good. Um, oh, you know, there was a question I forgot to ask that I meant to ask. I apologize. I need to backtrack for a minute. What do you do or what does it mean if your cord unties? Well, <laughs> that's a great question. No one has asked me that question. That's fantastic. If I had a cord and it untied, I'd look at the intent and say, you know, um, is it a good thing that that didn't happen? Because it's def- it definitely means uh-huh. that the magic has, has released itself in some way. So did you okay. did you have second thoughts about that? Did the, the, you know, the powers that be step in and go, hmm, like you, you said um, with your first spell, maybe not, maybe that wasn't such a good idea, yeah. or something has shifted. Yeah. You definitely need to pay attention to that, right? So something has shifted. What what yeah. was it that shifted? Was it your intent, thing that it was supposed to do? Is there some resistance out there, right? So if I if I had a healing cord, like my, my husband has an illness, if I had a healing cord and it unraveled, I would worry. <laughs> and I would definitely like go and wow. uh, and work on on, uh, on retwisting that cord for sure. So so I, I it definitely okay. means that something's happened with that magic that you didn't intend and then you need to, to go look yeah. at it. So so we as you're as you're working with your nylon materials, um I was looking it up and it looks like um your your issue may be the the um ability of the cord to grip itself. So as you as yeah. you make the cord, yeah. if you if you get it to to twist and then twist back on itself, make sure to put the knots in it so they stay. Okay. And okay. and if the material doesn't work, don't okay. worry about it so much, and you can find another material that will. Um, but you'll know it right away if that if that material doesn't work for you, you'll know right away that it won't it won't work. And I I will be very interested to uh, to hear too how it goes in learning how to do the twist. It's something that I I really um, wish I could go out to festivals and show people how to do this because it's so easy to do in person. It takes me a minute to show somebody, but it's it's harder to describe. It was the the hardest chapter in the book to write was how to make the cord <laughs> because you know, it's a lot it's, it's complicated, right. but if you see somebody do it it's just one second. I've got a film up on my on my webpage Brandy Williams author YouTube. and it's pinned. Yeah. Yeah, the the YouTube video yeah. that shows you how to do it. So I'm I'm very curious I uh, um to to see how how easy it is for you to do. Have you done that? Have you done a twist yet? No, I haven't. I wanted to talk to you first, um, okay? Because I have the I mean, I have the yarn. I have this this hemp twine, and now I instead of using because I'm concerned that the nylon is not going to work because it it won't grip on itself. So I, right. I'm I'm concerned that I should get uh, a couple of more colors of yarn anyway for specific intentions, and I think. Um, when you and I get off, I'm going to go purchase 
some different colors because I think <laughs> yarn is really the best way to go to get a proper twist, and I think it's probably the best thing to get it to stay because, you know, and I did watch your video, and please okay. visit Brandy Williams' video. Subscribe to her channel on YouTube in addition you. to visiting her website. You have all that information on the show link, so y'all have no excuse if you're interested. Okay, so, yeah. And Brandy Williams I mean, author everywhere. BrandyWilliamsAuthor.com, so Brandy Williams author um, on yeah. Instagram, and Brandy Williams author on YouTube. Um, and, you know, if you if you go to the, the craft store, there's a, you'll find a, a row of embroidery floss. Embroidery floss works really well for this, and it comes in so many colors. Um, it, you can really geek out on colors. And, and in the store, you can show, you know, you can pick up a green and go, okay, I want this color green, and I want this color blue, and you can mm-hmm. match them to each other. So it's, I, I spend hours that way. <laughs> I admit. No doubt. Well, I mean, you know, because it's so versatile, because once you've mastered it, it doesn't take long. What I don't understand, okay, so I have watched your video like six times already. I'm a geek. Okay. And I know it. Um, Why does bending it in half work? What is it about meeting the other end up to the first end where it's tied to the drawer handle. Why does that work? So you have twisted the yarn in one direction, and when you fold it in yeah. half, then it yeah. um, the two halves are then um, are then twisted in opposite directions, so they fold onto each other and hold each other really tightly. That's the best oh, I can no. get, and I think I talk about it in the book too. So I, yes. I I was closer yes. to the the source material the the scientific explanations then, um, but I, I want to tell you if you haven't done it yet um, the first time you do it and it's successful it's thrilling because it's truly magic mm-hmm. it's like that worked how exciting is that <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna send you pictures when I do my first oh, one should. I'm gonna send you pictures I'm going to yeah <laughs> oh, be great. have your email I know how to get you. <laughs> I would love to see it. Well, Brand, and I will be happy to show it to you. So are you planning any in-person events in the new year? Or not yeah, yet? I wish I could. Um, my husband is, is immunocompromised. Um, I, I, do, yeah. I did agree to do Babylon Rising, which is in June. I'm going um, to wait and see what the world looks like because that's a, it's in, sure. in Indiana, and I live in Washington State, so it's a, it's a big travel um, so I'm, I'm just going to have to, to yeah. wait and see. I do do um, virtual uh, appearances, though, and, and that's been – actually, the, the lockdown was really great because I suddenly started doing international <laughs> appearances, which I hadn't done before, and that was, that was really great wow. fun to, to participate in these Zoom conferences and, you know, um, then get people in, in Austria, you know, were, were coming and listening to what I was doing. So that was fun. Um, so I think, and I think that's really great too. I hope that we hang on to that as we come out of the the pandemic. I hope we hang on to the the memory that we can we can meet with each other virtually and get more people in contact with each other across the across the world. We can it brings us even closer together. I totally agree. I mean, some of the the most fun I've had was, you know, the Llewellyn Con that they started a couple of years ago was so much fun and and I got to actually be places virtually that I could never have afforded to be and see all of these amazing authors at the same time, you know, back to back for a number of days in a row. I thought that was fantastic fun. And I really, really encourage folks to not let go of that ability. I know a lot of people do not necessarily like being virtual um, because it's it's different when you actually have the feedback of an audience. But I will tell you, as somebody who's been doing a podcast for 10 years almost, next year will be wow, 10 years. Wow, congratulations. Um, wow. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's been a minute. And, you know, like – I love doing it because I get to learn stuff and I get to meet people like you and it makes me very happy and it increases my knowledge base. And mm-hmm. and I get tickled when I learn stuff. So this is just, you know, you're the first person, honestly, since, I mean, <laughs> it's almost 50 years 
since I've done any kind of chord magic. Oh my gosh. That's saying a lot. Yeah. That's saying a lot. Time and to get back to it, girl. <laughs> hey, it's never too late, right? Right? But, oh yeah. Hey, listen. You've encouraged me to to go at it from a totally, you know, new perspective with fresh eyes. And I'm so excited about it. I mean, I love learning about new stuff that I either have forgotten about or have never done before. I've got to ask you another question before we go. And, I, and yeah, I apologize for keeping you a little bit over. But I wanted to know, do you ever use your courting for divination itself? You know, and I again will tell you that you ask really good questions. I hadn't thought about using a cord for divination. Although when you think about it, if you've got a cord that's um, unraveled, which was your last question, that was in itself mm-hmm. kind of a feedback. So you're asking the cord to give you some feedback, and I'm not really sure how to do that. I'll tell you what, though, if I think about it, I will, I'll do a blog post. I'll, I'll put my mind to it. Do you have an idea? You you asked the question, so you might have an idea in mind of how you would do a divination with the cord. Um, I suppose what you could do here, you could make a um, you could make a pattern like a, a mandala or like a, a, a circled cross, right? Mm. Um, or right. or a wheel of the year, and then you could drop mm-hmm. the cord on it to see where it landed. So you could use it like a, a pendulum, but you could use any object would do that. So what would be specific about a cord that would make it divinatory? That's a really good question. What were you thinking about? Well, I was just wondering if, you know, like, and it's a really shit comparison, but, you know, like sometimes when you make a magical tool, it's it's extra special and personal because it's yours. But if something yeah. happens with it, you know, like if you if you were to lay it on something, as opposed to, well, and, and this is something you just said, you know, if you, would, if you were to put the cord onto like a mandala or, or, or use it in some way like a pendulum or do a cord throw, like if you throw the cord and it lands a certain way, wouldn't that mean right. something or couldn't that mean something? Sure. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like yeah. You could do it that way. Bones. Do you know what? You know what I mean? Like people throw people throw bones and people throw roots and people throw different things. You know, sticks, for example, and they or yeah, even collections like of objects. tea leaves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but if you did it with a cord and it and it configured a certain way, could that possibly have meaning in its own right? Yeah. You'd want a long one or several. I mean, one way to do it would be to have a collection of cords, which is a great excuse to make a lot of cords. <laughs> make a lot of cords that make that mean different things, right? Like um, the the t- uh, in the book, I talk about making cords for Sabbaths or time of day or time of year. I have made. I want to tell you every single one of these cords. <laughs> so you could have like um, time um, cords. You could have place cords. So you make one for the desert, mountains, um, you know, fields. Um, and uh, chords for people, chords that represent yourself, um, chords that represent states of health. So you could have a lot of different kinds of chords, and then, um, like you said, throw them and see what the relationships are. Yeah. That would be a way to do it. Oh, that's good. You should write that up, Raina, because that, that's new. No. <laughs> that's a new thought. No, no, no. No, darling. You should write that up because you're the expert. <laughs> There's your next book. Ta-da! No, <laughs> no blog post. That's just a blog post. But yeah, I might do that. Actually, that's a really great one. Thank See? you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm amazing. No, I'm kidding. I just have good you ideas. Are. That's all. But because it, it makes, I think it makes sense. I think it would be a great follow up to this book because I think, you know, we are given tools for for you know for purposes being witches, being magic yeah. users for divination and what is to say that color magic, chord magic, all of these things are in some way divinatory. And I and I think I I definitely think that when you design your first set, send it to me. I want a copy of it. Okay. 
price of admission. When you create the divination set, I want one. But anyway, <laughs> all right, my lovely, I have kept you to the very, very wire. I appreciate you so much. This was this book is wonderful. Please get it. Chord magic, tapping into the power of string yarn, twists and knots. My guest was the amazing Brandy Williams. Brandy, please come back on sometime. I had a blast. I would love to. That'd be great. I'm going to hit you up in a few minutes. But for now, I'm going to wish you a happy Thanksgiving and blessings to you and your husband. And I will speak with you soon. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. Bye. All right, everybody, I will be back on Saturday with Laurel Woodard, and we're going to talk about kitchen witchery. Talk to you then. Have a great Thanksgiving, y'all. Bye.